The views and opinions expressed in this podcast by the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Infinite Campus. I think it begins with educators, right? For us to recognize that the first thing we want to do is give our children the permission and the platform to be brilliant. Operating from a, a strength-based approach in education versus a deficit approach. So we have to develop ourselves in order to learn how to develop them holistically. Hello and welcome to Transforming K-12 Education, an Infinite Campus podcast. I'm your host, Peter Snell. Infinite Campus is a student information system used by 2,000 school districts across 45 states, supporting a total of 8 million students. This podcast explores our corporate mission by diving into our customers' stories and experiences of how they are transforming K-12 for their students, staff, and communities. This episode is going to be a little different than the others that we've done to date. I had the absolute pleasure of chatting with Dr. Sonia Toledo, a writer, speaker, researcher, and social entrepreneur who is passionate about training educators in self-directed student learning and teaching youth the mindset of an entrepreneur. She is the founder and CEO of Dignity of Children, an organization that offers extensive training and development resources for educators all over the world and complete K-12 project-based learning curriculums. She holds a PhD in education with a focus on global training and development and has more than 25 years of experience working in the after-school field. Dr. Toledo is also a creator of Ideas Empowered by Youth, an innovative teacher training program that equips educators with everything that they need to help their youth thrive. Dr. Toledo and I spent some time talking about her background, the Dignity of Children organization, and her youth entrepreneurship program, which teaches high school students on how to build the business based on challenges that they see in the world and in their communities. Please enjoy this interview, hopefully the first of many conversations with educational thought leaders like Dr. Toledo. Dignity of Children starts from really reaching children from the inside out. That was missing for me in my own educational experience in K-12. And part of it is I learned later in life that I was learning disability, but I wasn't really looking at it like that while I was in school because I wasn't understanding, I wasn't making the connections of being pulled out to resource room and things like that. But I knew that I was struggling academic wise. At one point I realized it's that I struggled mostly with my self-worth. I was still, you know, I still graduated on time. I went to school, I went to college, you know, now I have a PhD. So it's not really about the struggle that I had in academia that I really want to address with um, Dignity of Children, it's really the self-worth and value and contribution that I make into the world that I didn't yeah. discover until later in my life. <laughs> well, that's great. And and right now, social-emotional learning and social-emotional support is so incredibly 
important, especially coming out of the pandemic. So that's that's important work that you're doing. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about how Dignity of Children came to be? I know you touched on it a little bit, but you know, what is the overall mission and, and goals of that organization? In 2008, I started Dignity of Children mainly because here in New York City, I was working with youth development organizations and I was doing training and development in other in another organization. But I realized mm. that the one thing that was missing is after school programs, summer programs did not have one place to send their line staff to have training. So yeah. I started with thinking, wait a minute, every person that works with children, especially a group of children, needs some basic fundamentals. And so I started Dignity of Children with that concept in mind, thinking about creating environments where children are fully self-expressed and safe so they could thrive. Since then, we've been working um, with organizations and schools, training staff and teachers. Very good. And is that in the New York area that you do a lot of that professional development? So I've mainly been working here in the East Coast. So New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, this, this, the East Coast area. In 2019, I wrote a curriculum on entrepreneurship, on social mm-hmm. entrepreneur. And this is what has gotten us to expand working with other states across the country to really emphasize the skills and the environment that it will take to develop entrepreneurship's uh, mindset, especially because of what's happened with the pandemic (laughs) and other things that are clearly in your face. (laughs) I'm at the tail end of a baby boomer, but now, whoo. (laughs) There are so many things coming in our direction. Um, So our young people are faced with world issues where we weren't brought up that way. We were brought up more, you know, um, let's let's protect them from knowing this information or or from being part of this issue. They don't necessarily have to see it. But with social media and the media, there is no there's no hiding. No, you can't escape it. There's no yeah. escape. <laughs> yeah. So, and so having young people learn as youngest kindergarten to understand what matters to them, what is mm-hmm. the, what is the area in their lives that that hurts, that they have an opportunity to to work with that pain and not only heal, but be in service, right? Be in yeah. service, make a difference, start a company on an area that really matters to you. I think it also drives direction for career. It drives skill building. It drives learning. Having a student-led environment is what we really are focused on, where our young people are are choosing which direction they want to go. So then they know, okay, I need to do, I need to learn math. I need to learn science. I need to learn this in order to get here. I love that. Um, Picking an issue that's meaningful, that has direct impact on their life, either they're experiencing themselves or someone they know, a loved one, and then, and then making change, feeling empowered to, to be that change. But the process is the most important part of all of this. Right. Because this is not something that it's like a beginning and an end and you see it right away. It's really having young people know that there is a journey in their development. 
Mm. Um, so the journey is holistic from your emotional state of being, from your social environment, from your educational environment, like education and information is, is power. The more I know about this, the more I am able to create and then have this, this opportunity to understand that creation is, is also a very powerful tool. You know, we, we have, um, completed a one year program with a group of young people, all high schoolers and started last October. They took on creating a business idea. And in January, we had a competition where they presented their pitch deck, their business idea to judges, um, professionals in in corporate and in business. They did get some monetary um, awards, like first prize, second and third. And then the last three and three other teams all got from $2,500 to $500 to put into their business and work on it with a mentor for for the last six months. And then this last July, we did a showcase to demonstrate where they're at in their business. About three out of six of them chose mental health. And you just saw the passion in them. It's like, I don't care what I'm doing. I'm always going to do something around mental health because it's really important to me. This one young lady that I'm um, thinking about, her and her team created a health kit and their focus was to support people in Harlem, African-American people on learning how to self-care. So they Mm -hmm. created a self-kit with a candle and socks and and a a journal. And they also put information in there, like where could you get support? What are the things that you could do? Little meditation, little things here and there. That's just one example. This is not their everything, right? She's going to college, she's graduating. So her friends got very busy. They they couldn't stay with it, but she stuck with it. She's like, no, this is gonna be a business that's gonna (laughs) survive, right? Good for her. Her viewpoint is, is this is not, everything for me. This is just one part of my life, but my career is going to be on mental health. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, I think about when I went through school into high school, we had career pathways where you you had a course where you're exploring different careers and roles and and all of that. And, And of course, that was helpful to be aware of all the opportunities that are out there. But I think it's it's fascinating when you're working with a child to start with their passions and helping them find what they want to dedicate their lives to. I mean, figuring out how you fit into that can come later, but just finding what whatever drives you and inspires you, I think is is so important for young adults. And even even little ones, even yeah. when the little kindergartens and first graders, you know, you have these kids that off the bat, they're like, you know what? I'm a vegan. I'm not going to eat meat. I'm like, who told you to do that? (laughs) Where did you get this from? You know, it's like, I love animals. So Uh even just tapping into like what you said, their passion or what matters to them is where we could start. Right. So let's focus on that and still do mathematics and science and reading. Let's still do all that. (laughs) I think it's also teaching young people how to use information, how to analyze data for wisdom, transfer the information to action. And that's so important. That's one of our 
goals is to enable districts to make data-driven decisions with all this information that you're gathering. There's correlations that, that educational practitioners can find in their students' data to help provide targeted intervention opportunities. Um, the value of data is so important. Oh, the value of data. I mean, we could really go into the whole data, data yeah. thing. I resisted data for uh, many years in my career because I was like, but you're not paying attention to what matters. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, all you want is test scores and all you want is attendance and all you want is numbers, you know? But if when we merge them together, when we really recognize that um, collecting data and data doesn't only mean numbers, right? It's also information and and yes. um, an observation. I mean, there's yeah. tons of ways that we could look at data having kids um, begin to look at the world through information and data and then be able to analyze for themselves, it's really what makes creators in the world, right? So those are our entrepreneurs. Right. Those are our actors, our um, leaders, our people who make a difference. <laughs> yeah. To create is one thing, but to create from an informed place, that's where you really can have maximum impact. Exactly. Well, very good. I know we've talked about it a little bit, but the, the Youth Entrepreneurship Program, we spent a lot of time talking about that previously. Would you mind just telling our listeners a little bit more about what that program is and what it looks like? Well, absolutely. We're actually going to start a new um, competition now in October, and we're looking for high schoolers across the country who are interested in starting a business. They could come in as a team or they could come in independently and form a team. So we give them like a good 12 weeks of designing an, a business idea. We start with looking at the world issues as an umbrella. We use the United Nations Development Sustainable Goals and then narrow it down to data within their community. So mm. we ask them to look at the problem in their neighborhood, in their community, do data analysis as far as um, surveying people, interviewing experts, observing um, environments, doing research um, and looking at history, et cetera, and then coming up with not only a problem statement, but a solution, which will then be turned into a business, a service or a prototype. We have a rubric where they create a pitch deck they introduce their pitch deck to judges. So we're always looking for corporate partners or business people to, to support in this process. So 12 weeks later, they do a competition. We also get sponsorship from corporations so they could sponsor the, um, the competition's awards. We also have professionals become mentors. And then for the top six teams, we have them continue for a good four to six months later to be mentored by a business professional. It's not only about like, oh, this is a project. I'm done. This is a project. This is an idea that I had birthed from myself. What is it going to take for me to actually start putting it in action? So during the six months, some young teams actually produce an actual prototype do a little pilot here or there. Some of them incorporated. Some of them were able to gain other partnerships to help them continue to move forward with their business. And, you know, and then we had a showcase um, six months later so they could get more feedback. We got investors, business people, corporate owners, specialists, 
health and wellness specialists, climate change specialists to come and just give them feedback and say, this is where you could go with this. This is what you yeah. need to think about when you, you know, if you're thinking about continuing to build on this business. And I have to imagine that during that time period when they first present their ideas and then that six, I think you said six months of that mentorship, I'm sure those ideas just transform over time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And they learn, they, they build character. Oh, I learned how to be organized. I learned, sure. um, you know, even emotional, you know, social emotional skills and learn how to communicate with anyone, right? Because they had to speak to experts. So it's not just the ideas that are transforming over time, but the, the students themselves. Uh, what are the requirements for students to be involved in this program? The only requirement is the desire to want to make a difference. Um, some young people don't even know what entrepreneurship is, and they stepped in. So it's all virtual, and the application process is just giving us information about their ideas. Um, what kind of entrepreneurship ideas are you thinking about? I really appreciate that it's open to everybody. You have that equity. What we think of as successful uh, high achieving students, we think of test scores and, and, and transcripts and things like that. But all students have areas of strength. All students have passions. And so I, I think it's great that your program allows all students to, to tap into that. Correct. And that's one of our values, which is equity. And I think, you know, having access to skills that allow you to overcome adversity helps in equity, supports mm. equity, right? Because if you are in an environment that is suppressive and has deficits, that doesn't mean that you don't have the skills to overcome that. You do. Right. But we need to teach you, right? It's, it's possible. Yeah. So you said 2019 is when you started this program, correct? Yeah. And then all of us were, were tossed a curveball with, with COVID-19, and all of us had to quickly pivot. How has technology played a role in your program's success? Well, actually, it was a positive pivot for us because we did this program in person mm. for two years. And then the third year, all of a sudden, everything has to be online. We are able now to expand our reach. And also, we created, uh, it's called Gather Town, but it's like a virtual conference. It's like a, a, a world that we created. It's like um, an airport. So you log in, you create a little avatar, and then you see your little person walk around into the airport. So then the airport has, you know, the main stage and a bunch of seating. So that's where we have like a keynote and an announcement and everybody gets together. And then we let them know, it's like, okay, now you could go and go to different rooms. So we have airplanes that they could go to Paris, they could go to the Bahamas, they could go to New York or California. Oh, and then in okay. each room, there is a presentation. So we have exhibits, video exhibits. We had arts from NFT. We have a curriculum for arts as a commodity. So young people created an art sequence around a certain world issue that mattered to them. So they created a message. We also had um, documentaries of young people who did service projects, uh, doing a food drive for a family that was in a fire, et cetera. And then we had the entrepreneurship room and we had climate change room, you know, 
and we have live competitions and events. The Youth Entrepreneurship Program in particular, you mentioned a, a curriculum for that and, and the, the mentorship where, where students are able to interact with industry professionals. What sort of technologies do you use to facilitate that communication? So students will meet up on a Zoom platform twice a week in the beginning okay. and then once a week for the second half. Not only do we do like the general assembly on Zoom, but then they have breakout rooms with their teams. And, okay. and it is fun because somebody from Buffalo, New York is working with someone in Harlem and New Jersey, and they get together and they create something. And at first they think that the distance is going to be a, a conflict and they realize, nope. Yeah. That's a very important skill set to have in today's world. We've done so much more collaboration, efficient collaboration online. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this is the world our kids are in. It's here. And, and likely not going to change. You've talked about a, a few ideas that your students have come up with. What are, what are some other innovative ideas that have stemmed from, from your students and their passions? I would say at least 50% of our young people always address mental health. Wow, really? Again, it's general data from my own experience that our young people are like, hey, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're addressing it from bullying, social media bullying to just self-care. But we also have climate change. Um, we had a young man and a young woman who created a backpack with a solar panel and their first approach when they first, first presented it was for the nomads, right? So they're thinking about people who uh -huh. love to travel and work remotely. They need a solar backpack to recharge all of their equipment. So yeah. they, they moved this prototype along that is now beyond a backpack to, to have it available on the person so the person will not lose electricity. <laughs> so I, I thought that was pretty brilliant. There are some products out there that I'm seeing that is similar. I love that they are so much into the solar panel is the key and we could actually turn this into multiple products, but it, it's really about the idea of reserving energy, mm -hmm. right? They have so much room to grow. Yeah. One young lady, and I'm going to go back to maybe a middle schooler before the pandemic, she created an organization around girls' power, girls' mm. empowerment. She basically created apparels with powerful messaging for girls. What I love about her approach was that she said, I am going to speak to create more young women to keep speaking up about girls' empowerment. So, you know, so she created a, a, an online store with her apparels and conferences and workshops and talking for herself. And he, she's what, 12? Yeah. <laughs> Good for her. That's fantastic. I, I have this one young lady that I tell you, she's definitely in the future. You're going to see her name going for president or going for the high courts because yep. her topic was poverty. And she was thinking about creating more sustainable and just companies. When companies are not only sustainable, but have equality and justice, even the needy, the poor are going to gain. Mm. I was just like, okay, that was like a whole lesson that I missed. <laughs> wow. But she made that connection. 
I think she still has more to think about how is it actually going to become a company, but her connection was creating networks and also creating like a quality scale, like the Better Business Bureau. Yeah, don't underestimate the the amazing ideas that our young people have. Yes. I think that's certainly my takeaway. So ultimately, what's what's your hope for the future when it comes to the youth entrepreneurship program and uh, dignity of children as a whole? I think it begins with educators, right? For us to recognize that the first thing we want to do is give our children the permission and the platform to be brilliant. Yeah. Operating from a, a strength-based approach in education versus a deficit approach. My first goal is to create a community of forward-thinking educators to continue to build these types of environments. I call them incubators, where we're like creating these young mind thinkers, change, you know, our future leaders. So we have to develop ourselves in order to learn how to develop them holistically. Right. And then I want to see um, social entrepreneurship on a global conversation with young people. What's the overall impact that you hope students will walk away with? Having that self-drive, I get to choose what I want to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, for them to understand that they are the change makers of our future. So believing in themselves. Very good. Well, Dr. Toledo, thank you so much for your time. I love the work that you're doing. This is all very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Where can our listeners go for more information on Dignity of Children and the Youth Entrepreneurship Program? www.dignityofchildren.com or www.empoweredbyyouth.com. And all of our social media is Ideas by Youth. So you could go to Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and even LinkedIn and find Ideas by Youth. Navigate yourself to our trainings for educators, our curriculum for entrepreneurship, and of course, the competition that starts this fall in October. And it's been an absolute honor to have this conversation with you. Well, likewise. Again, I appreciate your time and I'm looking forward to connecting again very soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you're tuning in from. If you are an Infinite Campus customer and want to continue the conversation, join us on the moderated forums in the campus community. If you want to learn more about Infinite Campus in our student information system, go to www.infinitecampus.com. There you can register for an overview demonstration of Infinite Campus. Again, my name is Peter Snell. Thanks so much for listening to Transforming K-12 Education.